Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205 205- 3267364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I certainly hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend, that you got some rest and enjoyed family and a great day of worship, and you're entering into this week filled with gratitude and expectation. It certainly was an enjoyable one for me and my family. This week, the festivities continue as summer and my 26th wedding anniversary will be on the 29th. Back in 1997, we were just a couple of teenagers getting married two days after Thanksgiving, much to the chagrin of every hunter in our family. But I think that all worked out all right. As I recall, they all made it to the lease by nightfall. And Summer and I have been trying to build our house in the name of the Lord ever since. Speaking of marriage and families and houses, that is our focus today. I started a few weeks ago with the House Rules series. It will be a six-part series based on the Jacob Hudgens book called House Rules. There are 10 rules for us to discuss. In part one, we did some introductory things and looked at rule one, which I'll recap for you in a moment. And today we'll be looking at rules two and three. Since that was a few weeks back, let me do a very quick review of the most important things we've covered so far. First of all, these rules are by no means restricted to just your house and your family. In fact, they could just as potently be labeled 10 rules for you, for your life, the kind of person you are, and the way you interact with other people, and the kind of environment you foster when you are around other people. I hope as we go through this that you and I will at least begin in that place. Am I exemplifying this rule? Because whether you like it or not, you are a part of society as a whole. And really, society is just made up of a bunch of small relationships and communities. One of them is the home. We are featuring that in this series. But we could just as easily be talking about where you worship or where you work or where you go to school or where you enjoy your pickleball league. Because there is a consistent truth in all of those locations. You are there, and so are other people upon whom you will have influence. So regardless of the status at your home, these are really 10 rules for life. However, to get into the content from last time, we are focusing in on the home for some very important reasons. Here are some powerful exclamations from the introductory chapter of that book. What starts at home changes the world because homes feed societies. In other words, who you become and everyone else in your family becomes will end up influencing a lot of those other societal circles, church and otherwise, and those characteristics are most intensely affected and molded by the home. We talked about how homes are habit incubators, growth engines, and hypocrisy revealers. In other words, home is where it all happens, where habits get fed and cultivated, where the truest nature of who you are is put on display, and where you will have the single deepest impact on your children or spouse or others in determining who they become. 
There was more to say about that, and you can look back at that episode if you want, but we were just putting some urgency on the home, which led us into rule number one. Home is a safe place. We certainly discussed how that needs to be true physically to the extent of our ability. No home is 100% foolproof from pain and trouble. Anyone can fall off of a swing, and most of us have had a spanking. But we must be willing to go to extraordinary lengths to protect our family from abuse and assault and attack from one another and certainly from others. We touched a little bit on the digital world and how you need to keep an eye on that as well. But our main focus in terms of home being a safe place had to do with interaction and conversation and a productive environment for building. So we looked at things like home being a safe place to speak, a safe place to make mistakes, and a safe place to learn. This is so fundamentally important. In just a little bit, we'll talk about rule three about telling the truth. But what if telling the truth gets you in more trouble than lying? What if there is no environment for tolerating mistakes and so you just try to cover them? What if the truth is you have a lot to learn, but even admitting that would bring long-term ridicule from your spouse or your kids or your parents? Most of this connects to our relationship with God. I feel safe to speak to God. I feel safe to approach Him with my failings, and I feel like He wants to help me learn. And so being honest with Him about that is always a productive and hopeful step. So those were some of the basics we covered a couple of weeks ago. Now, for the rest of our time, we'll split it in half today. I will talk to you about rule number two, all people deserve respect. And then we'll have a little connector bridge leading us to rule number three, we tell the truth. All right, so let's begin with this all people deserve respect idea. We've been teaching this at Lindale where every week is a rule. So Sunday is the first half and then Wednesday is the second half. And I was out of town on the Sunday morning when the teacher addressed this topic. And hearing the reports about that day from others in the class was just really interesting to me. I thought it would be the simplest and easiest thing to talk about. Every single human being has this decency that they are entitled to purely because they have been designed by God, they are loved by God, Jesus came and died for them, and they have an eternal soul that God is constantly reaching for. Their economic status doesn't matter. Their gender doesn't matter. The color of their skin doesn't matter. If they have been made in the image of God, then they are valuable and redeemable and in that unconditional way, worthy of respect. Respect in that way means common decency and recognition and kindness towards people because we are equal in the eyes of God and in our common walk as human beings. Well, here's the thing about how class went. Everybody there agrees with everything that I just said. And I came in on Wednesday, and we continued to work on it, and we all came together on this sense of common decency and this lack of prejudice and those kinds of things. But I think what put a temporary kink in the class was that many of us, when we think of respect, we think of something different than just everyone being made in the image of God. For instance, when some think of respect, they think of authority figures, so the opening question for the class was, when you hear respect in a family class, where does your mind go? And for many people, it goes to the husband and father, the leader of the house, or the parents, those who are over the kids. We often talk about respect for authority, which is more about honoring that role of which you are a part than it is even the person who's in that role. 
And I think it's worthy to add here, that is an important principle to teach in your home. It is difficult to teach our kids to submit their lives to God as father if they do not understand respect for power and authority. And of course, in many other social constructs, there will be authority roles and figures, and understanding the need to know your place as either a power figure or a submissive one is vital. However, our rule isn't particular to that today when we say all people deserve respect. I want my kids to behave respectfully to someone for more reasons than just the fact that that person has authority over them. I want respect associated with love for who that person is before it's associated with fear of that person's power. I hope that makes sense. They're both important, but one is more fundamental than the other. A second reason I think our class wrestled with this is because the number one definition for respect is admiration. In its most casual usage, we respect respectable people. If someone is kind and good and godly, maybe we have deep respect for them because of their behavior. And look, I don't balk at that definition. I think commonly when I use the word respect for someone in particular, it is usually connected with some goodness that is exhibited by them. But I think this made it challenging for our class group to say, how would I respect someone who is unkind? How would I respect someone who is evil? Particularly when you take it out of an authority role. I think we've heard for a long time that a wife must respect her husband's role, no matter what kind of person that he is. But we might follow up, she may in fact have no respect for him. You see how I'm using those other two definitions. And look, I understand that, and we kind of waded through some of that, but here's my concern in my home. Just like with authority roles, where I'm concerned that we might only show deep respect when power is involved, I'm also concerned with only showing respect when someone has earned it or deserves it. There is this fundamental definition of respect that simply means to have regard for someone. And it takes us desperately off mission if the only people that I will give regard to, give attention to, or even care about are those that I either have to because of some role or because they have earned it by being kind to me first. I want our family to be on mission. And the mission is we want to spread the name of Jesus and we want to help people be freed from their sin and the trappings of the devil. And if we're going to do that in the nature of Jesus sitting at tables with sinners, We cannot let external variables like how they look or what role they hold or even internal variables like the kind of person that they are get in the way of seeing them as someone made in the image of God, someone worth the attention to try and help, someone who is equal to me and to you in every way, right down to making mistakes and needing Jesus. Now, I know there are caveats to this especially when paired with our first rule about safety. I mean, maybe you want to pet every dog you see, but if it's a Rottweiler, you probably ought not. And maybe there are people in your life who are dangerous or scary and you need to keep your distance. But just remember, God's love for them and pursuit of them is unconditional and unrelenting. I want my family to see souls when they see a person, any person, every person. Well, as we turn to rule three, we could at least start with the people in our homes, don't you think? Somebody says, are you saying we're supposed to have respect for the vilest of people in this world, for axe murderers and Rangers fans? Sorry, pause button. That was just a joke. Congratulations on your championship. 
But really, though, my response is, yeah, that can be really hard with an axe murderer, but can we at least show common decency and kindness to our own family? Let's start there with humble hearts, with patient ears, with refined speech, and with open arms. And all of this respect, independent of who holds what role, or even the things that we've done. Hopefully that approach will foster better relationships and connections, and moving to rule number three can benefit us in a very important way. Rule three for the home, we tell the truth. I made this bold statement in class, and I'm standing by it. I believe lying is the worst sin that we commit. Now, you might say, what about murder? What about adultery? What about stealing? Those are certainly awful. But I like to think that we, you know, God's people that are trying, don't commit those very often. But unfortunately, various harmful and destructive usages of our tongue in speech are much more common among those who use that same tongue to proclaim the name of the Lord on Sundays. But I'm not saying it's the worst sin we commit just because it's more common than the others. I'm saying it because lying tends to cover for all the others. I mean, no matter what mistakes we've made, if we have those humble hearts and patient ears and refined speech and open arms, we can work through it. I mean, especially rule one, if our home is a safe place for mistakes and for learning. But not if we lie about it. Lying makes everything worse. It keeps us from addressing other sins. It keeps them from coming to light. It is one of the worst sins we can commit because it hides and covers for and helps to continue all sorts of other ones. And so it is natural and easy for me to tell you, look, you need to be honest with the people that you love. Tell them the truth and seek for their help. But in practice, it's a whole lot tougher than that. I mean, just think about all of the different reasons why we might choose to lie instead of tell the truth. Maybe we don't want to face the consequences. Maybe you don't want to disappoint someone or anger someone. Maybe you're afraid that you'll be unloved. All I can tell you about that is that it's the devil's work. Any impulse in you, any reason that says, I've done wrong and I need to cover it up. Maybe I've said something untrue about others. I can't come clean about that. Maybe I've done something wrong and lied about it. I can't admit that. Maybe I have dishonored some commitment and made an excuse for it that just isn't true. I can't circle back on that. That's the devil trying to keep you under bondage of sin by covering for it. All I can tell you is what God said in Proverbs 28, 13. He said, if you try to conceal it, you make it worse. If you confess it, you will find compassion. Maybe not from everyone, but certainly from God who sees and knows all and definitely, in Christ at least, from someone who cares about you. But if I could talk to parents in particular just a moment, I cannot emphasize enough how these rules work together. If you expect your kid to tell the truth, to come clean, but it is a hostile environment, they can expect a massive overreaction from you or for you to bring it up for months and months. In other words, if it's not a safe environment, a healthy environment with mutual respect in which to tell the truth, a truth that could be embarrassing and hard, then you may actually be an obstacle in the way of them being honest. I've basically articulated that to everyone in my family. No matter what you've done, we'll work through it. Yes, there may be consequences. You may get in trouble, but you will never be punished for being honest. 
In fact, there's a chance you may not be punished at all if you have the integrity to come and tell us what is true. Because it's the hiding of the sin that makes it worse, that creates this private, hidden life that you cover for, that separates you incrementally from the people that you love, and creates a life separate from us, and maybe from God. And all of that fostered because you just didn't tell us what is true. And just to add to that phrase a moment, no matter what role you have in the home or what circle of influence in which you're using these points, people who care about you get emotional and they get upset and they have their own set of shortcomings, but all they really need to know is what is true. Tell me what's true and we'll work on it. No matter what it is, it's doubts about God. Just tell me what's true. Something that you've done that you're ashamed of, just tell me what's true. If we tell the truth and we're being honest, we can always work through this together. But all lying ever does is separate people. It hides them in the darkness from each other. And what is separated and hidden in darkness, well, that is not of the Lord. Telling the truth can be hard and embarrassing and painful, but one thing it does foster is trust. It's amazing to me that trust can even exist because we all make so many mistakes and we have bad days and we say the wrong things. We share things that we shouldn't about people that we care about. We say things to them that we shouldn't, even though we love them. You got to wonder, like, how can we ever really trust each other? But the answer to that is love and honesty. When we genuinely respect and care about one another and want the best for each other, and we're just willing to be honest about things to say, hey, I said something about you, I shouldn't have done that. Or I made this mistake again that I told you I wouldn't. Sharing what is true with sincerity continues to build trust even with mistakes. And of course, we tie all this back to our relationship with God. In 1 John 1, he said, if you try to tell me that you don't sin, you're a liar. You'd be hiding something very obvious and trying to cover for it. I never asked you to be perfect. What I ask you to do is confess your sins to me. Come to me and be honest. That's always been interesting to me because God already knows about it, but he knows you need to hear yourself, admit it to him. You need to be truthful to him. And he is faithful and righteous to forgive you every single time. And to even zoom out from the family a bit, what you want to do is in any relationship that you have, you want to instill that same dynamic. Where there is honesty, there is compassion. There is forgiveness and we can work together. So a couple of final thoughts here on rule number three. If you need to be honest with someone about what you have said or done, I want you to think of someone in your life who is kind to you, who respects you and the Lord, who will hear you and help you. Use the strength of that relationship as an opportunity to share with them what is true and to ask for help. On the other side of this, you may want the people in your life and home to be honest with you. I trust that you do. And you might be thinking, Chris, but how do I get them to tell me what is true? Well, here are a couple of final thoughts as we close. Number one, if you expect for them to be sincere and earnest with you, be sincere and earnest with them. Especially if you are in the authority role, we don't want to foster this image that says only those under authority have to fess up. Sometimes even dads need to admit when they're wrong. Create an environment that demonstrates that that's okay. Secondly, when they admit something to you, you won't like it, but do not overreact to the mistakes of others. 
No matter what they share with you, the fact that you now know it has empowered the situation to healing no matter what the thing is. Sometimes it's hard to be honest with someone even about the smallest of things because they react like it's the biggest thing in the world. And then lastly, and I know I said this earlier, but I feel like it's so important, don't punish honesty. This doesn't mean that if they tell you the truth that they're off the hook. But to me and in my family, it is so important to tell the truth that I am just looking for ways to reward it. You know, kind of like God does when you're honest with him. So I hope you consider these things this week in a way that makes a difference. First, by looking in the mirror and then towards the people you care about. Connect these two words with who you are and it will begin to influence those around you. Respect and truth. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with a friend. Speaking of friends, if you have any mortgage-related needs, maybe you're a first-time homebuyer looking to refinance or just want to talk about future homeownership goals, reach out to Tyler Kane. He is a senior loan officer with Fairway Independent Mortgage. Tyler and his team, with their expertise and dedication, have helped many families achieve their home ownership goals. They can advise you on the process from start to finish. His website is included in the show notes, or you can reach him directly at 813 813- Three eight zero eight four eight seven, And please remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.